In the holy name of Jesus, amen. One of the most beautiful spots in all the world is the Cathedral of Our Lady of Chartres in France. It is a glorious thing, all vaults and stone and stained glass and sculpture. When the locals were asked why they built such a spectacular church, they said, we want Jesus to have a nice place to live when he comes back again. That tells us all we need to know about Advent. Advent is a time to get to work. Advent is a time of thinking and planning and building so that Jesus has a nice place to live when he comes back. You can hear it in the Gospel for today. John the Baptizer arrives in the wilderness. The very first thing he says is, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Let's go, says John, let's have Advent, let's think and plan and work, let's build a nice place for Jesus to live when he comes back. The only proper response to an invitation like that is, thank you very much, we would love to. We would love to play along. We would love to have an Advent here in this place. We would love to build so that Jesus has a nice place to live when he comes back. So where do we start? Well, it's not with buildings, and it is a bit of a trick question. The secret to a good Advent is that we don't start at all. That may sound counterintuitive, but you remember how Psalm 127 goes. Unless the Lord builds a house, we labor in vain. And that, you see, is why John the Baptizer is so cranky this morning with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They think they've got a head start on Advent because of who they are. They are sons of Abraham. They think they are already on the way, a bit ahead of the game. So all they will need this Advent is a bump and a nudge, rather than a complete makeover. They think they can just dabble in Advent, that they can go half speed, even while others might go full blast. No, says John the Baptizer, Advent is not remodeling. Advent is a complete teardown. I am a prophet, says John. So Advent is not a negotiation. Advent is the imposition of a new reality. Repentance means complete turnaround. And baptism is a death and resurrection. And now's the time, says John. The kingdom of God is right on top of us. Jesus is almost here. And so for each of us, it is a time to think and plan and work and build. The question, of course, is how each one of us can make sense of this in our own lives. Can you figure out a way to have Advent where you yourself, in your own life, think and plan and build a place that would be nice for Jesus to live when he returns? But can you do that without turning into a Pharisee or a Sadducee? where you take control and you take credit for what happens to you in these days before Christmas. 
How do we carry on in Advent? The single answer is repentance. And it feels very much like this. We are standing all alone in the dark. We are tangled up and we are broken. We are famished and some days we are in pain. We cannot find a way out. We suffer. We cannot save ourselves. If we think we can, we are deluded. We are dead in a very real sense. Into that darkness comes a voice. It may sound like Isaiah or John the Baptizer or Pastor Nelson, but it really is the voice of God. God speaks to you. You are a wreck, and you reply, I am. God says to you, it's your sins that hurt you, you know, and you answer, that's right, I am a sinner. God says, I love sinners more than anything else. And to that you reply, you love me. God says, I forgive you. You say, thank you very much. You forgive me and all is well. God says, go and sin no more. You say, good idea. And in that little exchange, that thing that we call repentance, is all you need to know about your advent. We do not start it. God always makes the first move. We do not earn it. It always comes from outside us, from God or Isaiah or John the Baptizer or Pastor Nelson, right here for free every time that we confess. We do not control it. It is a divine thing, and it has a life of its own, especially, as John says, the power to strike us down and to raise us up again, to resurrect us, and then to use us in a life that bears fruit, befitting repentance. And so you come again today, and you know that you've been found by the blood that Jesus lost on the cross, that you've been touched by that, reconciled to your Heavenly Father, energized by your Holy Spirit. You have been forgiven, and the only appropriate response is, thank you very much, I'll have more, please. In the church, we tell time by color. And for Advent, the color goes to purple. It's very easy to say that the color purple is for penitence or urges us to be somber, and that, in fact, is true. But there is much more to the purple of Advent. Advent is slow and almost syrupy at times, and the Purple urges us to peer into things that are sometimes dark. It is a period of reflection. It is a period where we are slowed. We are engaged by things that we do not understand, things that are mysterious, even mystical. And we ask a single question. What is it that needs to be repented of so that I too can bear fruits to befit repentance. 
You come again this morning and you live from what you've been given. Unlike the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you are happy to see John the baptizer for the holidays. We together welcome fire and spirit. We get baptized. We live in repentance. We practice love and discipline as the kingdom of God approaches. Together we are church. Together we are community. Together we welcome the thinking and the planning and the working and the building so that when the little baby Jesus gets here on the 25th, he has a nice place to live among us. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.